the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business. Well, welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. It's episode 214. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Bill Bennett. Welcome along, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us once again. Now, this week we have an interesting uh, episode. Bill and I are going to be chatting through a few uh, few bits of news, local and, and otherwise, uh, before we cut across to hear from Nathan Mercer, who's across at uh, Microsoft's um, HQ in, uh, in the US. So, Bill, let's jump in to start with. Uh, there's, there's been some, some interesting... Uh, well, a bit of controversy actually between Google, Apple, and Microsoft around uh, security issues on their varying uh, software platforms. So, uh, first up, a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, uh, Microsoft, who apparently behind the scenes were asking Google to keep under wraps some particular uh, security issues that uh, Google's security uh, team had discover- discovered uh, in, in some Microsoft software. And uh, Microsoft was still working to, uh, you know, to resolve the, the particular issues. And, you know, I guess there's, there's, there's been some standards within the security uh, world around what, uh, um, I guess you'd call the, the good hackers uh, do in terms of disclosing issues that might uh, might bring harm to the uh, the the general public in terms of uh, risks and uh, but in this case micro, uh, Google was saying hey we're going to uh, we're going to put this stuff out in the open in fact it's our policy if a uh, security issue isn't dealt with in 90 days we'll put it out in the open not only will we put it out in the open we'll put out in the open a uh, an example of, of how to uh, how to utilize this particular uh, security issue uh, so we had that uh, since then uh, Google have, have done the same uh, with Apple, and uh, so yeah, we, we've we've seen a number of security exploits that have been uh, released publicly by uh, uh, by Google. And then we've kind of had the shoe on the other foot to some degree, uh, with with uh, you know it, it coming to light that um, there are a number of security issues uh, now that are in Android four point three, which accounts for about uh, around sixty percent of the the market of Android users uh, worldwide, uh, having some security issues in it. And Google is saying, "Oh, we're not going to uh, yeah. we're not going to attend to that." It's all a bit of a shambles, isn't it? It is a shambles. I mean, the um, the Android thing is really down to Google's allowing Android to become so fragmented. Um, you don't really get that in the Windows world or the um, Apple world, where people tend to move pretty much in lockstep when there's a new version. I mean, I think that we're now in excess of um, 75% of iPhone users are now on the latest version of the um, iOS and um, pretty much the same with with Windows Phone too. And on Windows and Mac, it's you know in the desktop operating systems now, uh, it's you know it's effectively free to yeah. uh, to upgrade. So yeah, people should be able to stay current. And and of course, staying current is probably your best security um, strategy. Full stop. Um, I think that's you know that's goes some way to explain what's going on with Android, and that that's vulnerability there the fact that google don't really care about it i don't know that that would worry me if i was an android user um as for dobbing in the um others on their um security shortcomings it's a tough one because i'm all for disclosure 
I think there should be there's, there should really be some kind of mandatory reporting of these things. Though to whom I'm not sure who you would report that to. Um, I'm two minds about that. I don't think Google's being very helpful. I think Google could could probably be behaved a little more responsibly. Well, maybe a little bit of flexibility. I, you know, I can I can see it's good for there to be some pressure that you know yeah. a time under which these issues have to be resolved but i think uh well, one of the exploits and uh, um it, it was either on the apple or the windows side uh was there was a fix that was actually developed for it but shortly before it was due to be launched it was discovered that that fix itself would cause some issues and you know hence why they have room for a te- you know time for a testing regime and so on and so they pulled that back and uh you know went back to google and said uh yeah hey look uh, we need to do do some more work on this can you just hold off disclosing you know that and until the next month when we do our next round and uh you know that that request was uh was declined i, th- I think that was on the on the microsoft side um it's, a, it's another thing entirely it's, it's, it's about if, if the exploits out there in the wild and being used um i think you want to move pretty fast to to get it public but I don't think that was the case in this in this um, instance, was it? That, so. that wasn't my under, understanding of it. So yeah, I, I just sort of you know it was quite it was quite fascinating that we had these three different incidences or, or, or stories that it had been out uh, in recent weeks and, and very closely uh, closely intertwined. It's also it also tells you something about how the three companies view each other. Um, you know, there's not a lot of love between Google and Apple or Microsoft these days. No, very competitive. Which yeah. I think, uh, on the flip side, has some. I mean, has some great. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, results f- for consumers and and for businesses alike in terms of uh, you know just the pace of innovation at the moment and the, the benefits that we get out of uh, this competition. But yeah, when it when it turns nasty, it's n- not always helpful to uh, to everyone. But on the on the other hand, I mean. Microsoft and Apple have traditionally been more head-to-head. I mean, you remember the old I'm a Mac, I'm a PC campaigns and so on? Yeah. There's yeah. usually been a bit more of a niggle between those two, and that seems to be less the case at the moment. Yeah, to, yeah, to, to some degree. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Google have, have done so well with Android uh, they've really stuck it to Apple and and Microsoft to uh, yeah to a, a fair degree there. Uh, that said, uh, you know Android isn't necessarily generating the same sorts of uh, well isn't generating the same sorts of profits as we as we're seeing uh, you know for Apple for instance on the iPhone uh, side. And uh, I mean yeah, Apple's profitability is uh, yeah it's virtually off the off the charts. It's, um, it's I saw Microsoft's results this morning and I can't remember the smartphone business. But I do remember that the Surface is actually quite profitable. Yeah, they were talking. Um, I th- was it a, a sales increase of about twenty four percent, up to uh, one uh, one billion US dollars yeah. around that sort of figure yeah, in the last quarter. Billion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, th- I mean that that's turning into a real business. The yeah, Surface yeah. product is no longer just a uh, uh, a fun toy to promote uh, to promote Windows. It's uh, you know, it's it's maybe uh, going to pay its own way. Profitable business, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that said, the uh, the sales or well, the revenues and and profits related to uh, Windows itself are uh, are down, and you know you. Could well, it would be fair to say that that's a taste of the future for Microsoft as they start giving away Windows ten yeah. upgrades. I'm sure that they're not going to be giving away Windows ten. 
in you know in every scenario. So if you're buying a new computer, yes, you can get it free on the smaller tablets and you know certain uh, lower cost devices. You can get uh, virtually a, a free or, or close to free uh, version of Windows. But I imagine that Microsoft are pushing through in the uh, in the business space and uh, you know working to make sure that they uh, they they earn those um, uh, the, the money back as much as they possibly can on the enterprise version of Windows aimed at you know businesses and larger organisations. Yeah, and I reckon um, the, I mean the, the plan has always been to transition to a lower margin business anyway. Well, the uh, the margins around their Windows phones have been uh, been pretty slim, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, looking at uh, at at something uh, somewhat local. Now, Cloudflare is a uh, a company that uh, you know est- established themselves to help those that are uh, they're you know, publishing their websites and uh, you know want to want to bring their websites maybe closer to their customers. Uh, and also to uh, provide a level of uh, um, protection for uh, for websites that maybe would get uh, you know attacked from a hacking perspective, and uh, I guess that's a, probably a, a good simplified description of Cloudflare. Is it? Is it? Bill? I mean, they're a content yeah, uh, was, distribution network. To uh, yeah, I was uh, put it in technical terms. I was yeah, I was going to try and avoid that phrase, but yes, that's what they are. That's CDN. A, CDN. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we haven't uh, seen so many of these sorts of providers uh, having a, a local presence in uh, in New Zealand but uh, Cloudflare have uh, have have opened up uh, locally and yeah. that, I think that's going to provide a real benefit for I think there, you know probably a number of scenarios that it helps with uh, you know for starters those that maybe have wanted to host their website Outside of New Zealand, and, and often it's it's uh, yeah much more cost effective yeah. to use a you know for instance a cloud provider that's outside of New Zealand, uh, or or a hosting firm that's outside of New Zealand. So if you combine that with for instance Cloudflare's service, then uh, those that would you know maybe visit your website or your online service, maybe in the past there was a bit of a lag, a bit of a delay. If it was you know if you were you were um, yeah communicating from New Zealand to the US and back, but uh, Cloudflare will certainly help with that to to a certain degree for uh, um, you know, being able to cache elements of of uh, websites and uh, and having that local New Zealand presence. If you have big pictures on your site, it would be important, I would imagine. Um, yeah, it's it's but it's the sort of thing that's pretty common elsewhere in the world. I mean, in some ways, we've been late to that particular party. Yeah, uh, I mean they've been in they've been in Aust- they've had a presence in Australia for some time, but uh, yeah, certainly pleasing that uh, that Cloudflare are uh, opening up that that local presence. Now, initially, uh, yeah, a lot of the smaller ISPs will be uh, will be able to take advantage of that. Uh, I think uh, possibly Vodafone, uh, I believe. Uh, no word yet on uh, on Spark. That's a, qu- a question that we need to uh, need to ask them. So. Uh, maybe any someone from Spark that's listening could uh, could ping us on that. Uh, no doubt they will if if they've got something positive to announce. Um, it, yeah, it would be it would be interesting to know what uh, uh, you know what that situation is is whether their network's going to be able to take it, take advantage of uh, or have that sort of pairing um, yeah connection to be able to take advantage of, of Cloudflare's New Zealand presence. In other hap- happenings now, talk, talking of uh, talking of Spark. 
they've been in the news along with Vodafone, I guess in the in the last few weeks on uh, in in varying ways. Now, Chris Quinn, who's the CEO of Spark, which division? Can you um, remember the name? It's, it's much longer than it used to be. It used to be mobile, telecom retail, mobile business, and something else. I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's embarrassing, isn't yeah, it? That yeah. we that we can't remember the uh, the the name, but, but it was uh, it was um, retail, yeah. Yes. So uh, I I, uh, I have to tell you, Paul. Inside the company, I know people still talk of it as retails. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I do too because it's 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 easier to uh, to remember. I think it's home, mobile, and business. Yeah, something like that. Um, so uh, Chris Quinn, who's the CEO of that, and and previous CEO of Genii, which is now Spark Digital, it's been announced today that he's going to be uh, moving on mid-year and they're not telling us where he's moving to but there's an they do mention another opportunity so we'll keep our eyes posted on keep a watch on that one and who's stepping in to uh, to replace him jason paris who's the um who's he's basically chris quinn's number two in that division at the moment it'll be moving up to take the role so he becomes the second most powerful man in telecom or sorry in spark behind simon muta yeah, so that'll be interesting. I mean, uh, you know, from my perspective, uh, and and yeah, you know, a lot of others. I think yeah, you know, Chris Quinn's done a uh, done a pretty impressive job within well, within the world of telecom and I mean, smart. Chris has, but inside the company, um, I, I don't want to say too much on this, but my sources tell me that it's it's regarded as a difficult job, a really hard job, because you're basically presiding over the parts of the business which just ain't making that much money. And um, it's a business that they're trying to re- reinvent in many ways, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, but it's it's from from traditional career boosting, career enhancement perspective, it's a very hard one to succeed in, and um, it's it's hard yakker. And Chris, I think, has been in that role what for a couple of years now, so um, it would be quite a grueling posting. Yeah, yeah, pretty uh, pretty challenging. But uh, you know, I th- I think uh, yeah, Chris Chris has done a and a. A pretty good job in there from uh, from the things I've I've seen anyway. Uh, now, so um, and a, and a listener to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. So, hi, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> we don't usually do. Yeah, that, good luck, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> we do look forward to hearing what's next. Now, so uh, that that spark. Now, across in the world of Vodafone, a uh, little bit of announcement today or some news today uh, that Vodafone. Uh, well, I guess if we if we look back, what last week we heard the announcement that uh, Spark are going to be uh, giving away access to their streaming service Lightbox for yes. free, right? To so certain customers. So yes. for yeah, a lot of their customers will be getting uh, free Lightbox, which well, is hang, about fifteen dollar a month. It's free service, but it's metered, right? Quite often, when overseas ISPs do that kind of service, it's unmetered. But in the case of um, Spark, you will be you will be paying for the downloads in terms of your right. So if you're not on an unlimited plan, yeah. uh, you, you you could be chewing, chewing well, through your uh, your data. It's about three gigs for an hour of three gigabytes for an hour of um, Lightbox TV. If you've got a hundred the hundred and fifty plan, which is the biggest plan you can buy until first of February when it goes up to unlimited, um, that. You know that give you fifty hours of Lightbox, um, so it's free, but it's not that free if you see what I mean. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. No, fair, fair point. Fair point. Well, uh, I'm I'm on an unmetered plan, uh, and I'm talking about my home plan now, and uh, that is with Vodafone. So, what Vodafone have announced between them and Sky today is that uh, those on their unlimited plans will be getting uh, Sky's new Neon service free for six months. So you do have to be on the unlimited plan to get it. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that that's worth noting. So it won't be everyone. I imagine from Vodafone's perspective, that will help a few people step up to the new plan. From Sky's perspective, yeah. this helps Sky socket to Netflix a little bit, who are, who are due to launch here sometime within the, about the next eight weeks. They can make sure, and and this is a you know, similar basis with um, with Sparks Lightbox. If they can make sure they get as many uh, as many people as possible, it may reduce the number of people signing up for uh, for Netflix, right? Although um, some people might sign up for two or, or, yeah, or three well, of these that's, services, that's which exactly uh, what will uh, I yeah. guess is where I sit at the moment. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've registered for anything available locally and the, the top international services as well. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what people are going to do. Um, Neon hasn't been a huge success up until now either, and that might be part of the rationale behind this. Um, I saw something last week where the numbers hadn't quite met the um, expectation. Oh, has it actually been launched? Is it available now? I, I, I don't it was know. supposed to be available in December, and then it got uh, it got delayed. Uh, I haven't I re- actually seen any announcement yeah, to say no, that I, it's, I uh, it's kicked I, off yet. I read, I read somewhere that it's, it's not been. Perhaps, perhaps that's why it hasn't been a success. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't even get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's due to go... It's due. I mean, think it's due to go live this month. Oh. Um, so, I mean, there's not many days left this month, so we'll, we'll see if that happens or not. About, but perhaps they're talking about pre-launch sign-ups or something. Right, so, uh, yeah. But I, I think you know, Sky has got a, a fair bit of clout... Uh, in, you know, in, in the market, obviously. Well, it's got the best content, um, really. So. It will be fascinating just to see come March and then looking again over the, the months following just how good the content catalogs are over these services. Yeah. At the moment, I would say uh, Lightbox are doing are doing reasonably well as far as content because they're doing something unique and that they're and and this is unique globally they're bringing first run content that hasn't been on TV hasn't been anywhere uh, within the local market and uh, and making it available so yeah there, there's there's content that as it is in the US is becoming available virtually instantly uh, on on Lightbox which isn't isn't a particularly common uh, or normal model for uh, uh, this sort of uh, subscription video on demand service. So that's uh, oh, so that's one part of our other discussion around uh, Spark and Vodafone. But uh, Bill, there's a, there's a bit more to the discussion, isn't there? We we hear that there's uh, there are more jobs disappearing from uh, from both worlds, and uh, there's been a I guess most of the discussion recently around customer service uh, jobs yeah. disappearing, and uh, and Vodafone certainly uh, looking to. Uh, push more and more of those offshore again. Whenever I've written anything about this, um, I've, I get a lot of sarcastic comments from Vodafone customers saying, well, what customer service? You already have to wait for an hour and so on. I, I, I don't actually know. I'm not a Vodafone customer. I couldn't tell you. I've not waited on, uh, waited in a queue. The, for- I, I can tell you that their service uh, 
in the last year across varying areas of their business, if you're not dealing with an account manager, so in a you know in a business sense, if you don't have an account manager that can get you the result that you want, and you're having to go through normal channels, whether you're buying a product, uh, or you're buying one of their services, or you're a consumer, uh, in my experience, has been heavily degraded. Yeah. And the way which I've tended to get good results is through knowing somebody within the organization who can uh, yeah, maybe help speed me through the process a little bit quicker. That's um, not a sustainable business model for a telco. Well, it, it, it's, helpful, it's helpful for me and maybe some of the people that I work with. But it's, uh, yeah. it's as you say, it's not, uh, it shows there's some real problems there. So... I'm I'm pretty worried about them, uh, yeah, outsourcing this further. What What are your thoughts on it? I mean, uh, do they have any other option? Because the sort of revenues that are being earned from uh, from broadband and so on, yeah, keep uh, keep reducing. Yeah, and you're paying less for broadband, and that's that's going the cost up. of hiring staff doesn't doesn't reduce at any time unless you unless you offshore it. Well, someone someone pointed out to me that Skinny and Big Pipe don't have much in the way of customer support at all. And yet, people are. It's online. Up. Sorry, it's online, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but there's no there's no lines to call, and um, apparently, it's not stopping people going to those businesses. Um, so maybe that maybe that is the way of the future. Of course, you pay a lot less um, than Vodafone prices to use either of those two companies. So maybe there's maybe that's what's happening. Maybe we're going to see tiers of service levels and pricing um, emerge that are really quite clear. The thing is, is that Vodafone is still charging, in effect, premium prices um, in terms of the rest of the market and not offering premium service. So who knows? I, my, my guess is it will cost them, um, cost the company. But there's, there is something of a cycle in these companies where they go through degrading the service until someone thinks, hang on, we're losing too many customers. Better do something about our customer service. Bring it back to Bring New Zealand back, again. Yeah, and, and there's been a cycle. And I've actually watched that happen with um, even more so with Australian telcos, where they really do go through a very visible cycle of that happening. Um, it could just be that Vodafone's doing that here. What I think is actually going on with Vodafone is it's the... it's. Uh, tactical decisions are beating strategic decisions at the moment it's all about getting the numbers right for the next report i would imagine yeah well they didn't they didn't do very well in their in their last uh, annual results did they and no, I'm, but there I'm, were a lot of one-off costs in there i'm sure that's uh, that's that's weighing in heavily i mean you could go as far as to say uh, that there are certain individuals that uh, maybe aren't going to get their bonuses in the next uh, in the next round, and uh, a short term decision made now could put more money in those individuals' pockets. Uh, maybe not be a brilliant strategic uh, decision. Could could that actually be a reality? Are, are people incentivized in such a way that they might make those types of decisions, or or am I absolutely dreaming there? I think you've got to ask yourself what the reporting. Um what the reporting periods are. If, if Vodafone is working on three monthly or six monthly reports, then they will be scrambling to get you know to get the numbers right over that period. If it's an annual reporting period, then it's another decision. And if if your remuneration is based on longer term performance, then you'll be making different decisions again. Because you you know you've got the classic sort of call center situation where uh, you know the, the the chaps working in the call center maybe get uh, uh, you know. 
uh, bonuses based on how many calls that they can close. So you get the classic scenario of uh, someone that hasn't solved your problem but uh, hangs up on or gets gets you off the line just as as quick as they can rather than owning the issue and really treating you uh, well because it it puts their stats up and, uh, you know, they they can show off so many more calls that day by by actually not being particularly nice and and helpful. The whole customer management thing is it's, it's, it's a whole science unto itself, and it's a whole set of economic rules unto itself as well. Yeah, that's that's true. Now, uh, one thing on a positive uh, front that I came across this week is uh, for audio enthusiasts, um, Avid, who are the the, the makers of um, both Pro Tools sort of video editing and uh, and and also their uh, uh, sorry Pro Tools audio editing, they also do the video editing stuff. Uh, have announced they're doing a free version of the uh, Pro Tools audio editing software, which I thought is uh, is rather nice and almost and quite unexpected actually coming well, from uh, from Avid. Yeah, I went to have a look at that and. Um it's hidden at the bottom of the page. You have to scroll down to the bottom of the page to find the free version, which you can sign up for, uh, which I promptly did. Um, but it's not immediately apparent if you click through the links to that. Um, you've got to hunt around for it. But, yeah, it's brilliant. It's, it, and it's another example. I mean, to, to a degree, it echoes what Microsoft's doing, which is um, giving stuff away in order to sell other stuff. And you know the the market becomes more and more uh, yeah competitive with with other players giving away freebies and uh, yeah I think it's for Avid it's yeah it's a great way of making sure students and others are using their uh, yeah. their tools and then you know and the, ultimately uh, you know as they need to move up they will uh, they will move up to their products rather well, than mind uh, you, the, the, somebody else's the top of the line version is eight hundred US so it's uh, it's a long way between zero and eight hundred US. Yeah, that, that's true. But you know, in, in a business case, in a business situation, it's a little bit different. And of course, we've got Adobe with their um, Creatives Suite, which is which is now you know, moved into a subscription model that, that just delivers so much. Uh, yeah, bang for buck for those that would want access to a, a whole bunch of their tools. I'm sure that's sort of putting some some pressure on some of the uh, some of the other players that uh, you know that they can they compete with it is but then i found i was i was using photoshop and i thought that the having to buy the whole of everything in order to be able to use photoshop about six times a year was a pretty expensive way of going yeah that that, <laughs> that is true uh although i think they've since come up they took a lot of flack about that uh and they've since come up with a very low cost subscription for uh, uh, yeah for individuals that just want um, um, yeah to to to, uh, um, to use a specific product like yeah. uh, like Photoshop, right? So I think um, I'm still using yeah. a five year old version of Photoshop. Um. And Creative Cloud is the name, actually, yeah. not Creative Suite. They've uh, they've moved on. Although I think you can probably still buy uh, uh, the old Creative um, Suite uh, CS6 yeah, uh, product. Uh, now, the, we were wanting to uh, chat through a little bit about some of the, the wearables. We might dive into that a little bit more next week. But we, we were looking just before at the Sony Smartwatch 3, which has finally made it to New Zealand. This is uh, Android Wear-based. Uh, CES, they were showing these off. Uh, they also had the new metal version, which we haven't managed to get our hands on here in New Zealand. I'm wearing the um, the Smartwatch 3 at the moment. It's black. It, it sort of looks quite digital watch-like. 
break. Uh, the the steel one though really looks like a really smart stylish uh, stylish watch. But in terms of the internals and the, and the tech, they're actually yeah they're actually very similar. Well, um, as regular listeners will know, I'm not entranced by smartwatches, but this is actually the, the nicest looking smartwatch I've seen. Um, and it seems to be just a little less sort of freaky than the other ones, um, if you know what I mean. Um, the um, I'm still concerned about the battery life. Yeah, so they're advertising this at, uh, at, at two days. And I've got to say, because I've been using uh, this and interchanging it with some other devices, the Fitbit Charge and also Smart Band Talk from Sony, um, I actually... And it depends what you want to use the device for, uh, but I've I've actually been uh, enjoying the smart band talk above um, above all of those other products uh, because it use it's got something unique. It's got an e ink display or an e paper yeah, display, yeah. so uh, it lasts as about up to three days. So it's a, a little bit longer, uh, and it's more it's more of the sort of smart band, but. As well as giving you all the information around, uh, well, primarily it's focused around your, your exercise, your walking, how yeah, monitoring your sleep cycle and so on. Uh, it does let you take calls, and uh, I actually find that that can be quite handy on uh, on a little little gadget. I mean, it ties back into your smartphone. You've got to have your smartphone with you, uh, but there are times it's just not convenient to grab your phone out of your pocket. And uh, I guess if you wanted to be yeah, sort of half dodgy while you're driving around in your car if you don't have a Bluetooth setup, uh, a head, you know, head, head, head unit, etc. Um, you can actually take a call on your watch without sort of feeling as though you're completely, uh, uh, yeah, breaking breaking the the law. You have to sort of yell a little bit about your hand if it's on the wheel, but uh, you know, it's still a little bit safer than holding a phone to your ear. Yeah, um, it's. I think it's the nicest smartwatch I've seen to date. <laughs> um. But I'm still not convinced. I want. I want to wait. I want to get a week out of a smartwatch before I buy one. Well, I don't know. I uh, I wish that were the case. Now, the nice thing these new Sony products do have is they take a micro uh, USB uh, charging connection, which is good. Yeah. And uh, like the uh, the Fitbit, charges the um, the the waterproof to, to to most regards. So yeah, you don't have to take it off in the shower or, or going for a bit of a swim and so on. Um, but uh, yeah, quite an interesting uh, space, this whole wearables one, and it's going to keep heating up this year a lot. And obviously with Apple's uh, um, new new product not too far off, we're going to have some good uh, good competition. All right, well, that's, uh, that's it on those topics. Right, now across to Nathan Mercer, who is currently at Microsoft HQ there in uh, Redmond, Washington. Welcome along, Nathan. How are you? Yeah, hi Paul. Um, thanks for inviting me, and hi Bill. Um, looking forward to talking to you guys tonight about some of the stuff we announced last week. It seems to be that Microsoft's sort of getting in, into a into a spot where uh, where people are, I guess, a bit more positive maybe than they were a couple of two or three years ago. And uh, Windows, Windows Ten seem to have been uh, picking up some pretty positive attention out there. Nathan, how how are you feeling about this Windows Ten announcement? I think, you know, what you said there, Paul, was basically sums it up. Um, we're definitely seeing a lot more positive news about Microsoft, as Microsoft Call again. Uh, as some of that stuff we're doing is, is, is pretty exciting, and I guess there's still some more stuff to come um, between now and when we actually launch Windows 10. 
So on that note, when is Windows 10? What you know? What's the current sort of time window that people should expect Windows 10 to be available? Sort of you know publicly the full version. Obviously, we can download the uh, the technical preview right now for those who are, who are keen on having a, a little bit of a play. But the the, the final product. The, so we're still saying mid, uh, mid-year, um, so I think it's coming probably sooner than a lot of people think as well, um, but like you said, they're probably one of the most important things for for techos and IT pros and people wanting to play around with it, to go and download it, sign up for the Insider program, that way you'll actually get new builds, say, every uh, every two or three weeks between now and when it actually launches. Um, we've also said that that you'll be able to upgrade to the final version from this build that came out um, on uh, Saturday New Zealand time as well. I th- that for me, I don't know about you, Bill, but that's pretty pleasing. Usually if you go and try out yeah. a sort of a preview release of a Microsoft operating system, you know there's a whole lot of pain coming when the final product uh, comes out. So oh. it's, it's kind of nice. Tell me about it. That's why I used to put a D drive on my... <laughs> <laughs> and I think you know one of the things that you might have kind of seen through that and through some of those announcements, if you got it, it was at like six a.m. New Zealand time Thursday last week. Um, you heard them talking about a couple of times about Windows as a service. So actually, this operating system that just keeps itself up to date that people just don't really think about. Um, you know, new features are just kind of you know dribbling down from the from the cloud, and and that's definitely an exciting thing as well. Especially when basically everyone that's running. Windows 7, Windows 8, Windows 8.1, Windows Phone 8.1 are all going to get a free upgrade um, as long as they upgrade within the first year of Windows 10 availability. How does that apply to to business customers? I you know I know everyone in our audience is a consumer, but there are also uh, you know a lot of our audience uh, you know work within an environment. Where you know, they're uh, they're involved with the, with the computers, upgrading them or, or making decisions and so on. How does the what are the business aspects around that? Do businesses need to have their software assurance and and so on paid up to date, or are even businesses going to get free upgrades? Well, so. Uh, put the enterprise version to the side, and so any, anyone who's got enterprise has software assurance, so they'll just get it like that. Um, all of the other versions, Paul, so uh, Windows 8, which is what we used to call the home version, uh, and Pro, uh, they all will get the upgrade. So basically everyone is going to get it, and I think that is... Probably one of the, you know, probably one of the most positive things that came out of last week. Uh, I'm not really too sure what people were expecting out out of it in terms of, you know, the critics and stuff. We certainly saw a lot of positive noise uh, about all the things that were talked about across Windows in terms of different screen sizes, from devices with no screens through to phones and tablets, through to through to tablets, um, where this is the first version that's got the continuum feature that transitions the Windows UI to when you're on a, a to when you're using a tablet or a two-in-one detachable device, and then all the way through onto the new the new name for the perceptive pixel, the PPI screens, which is now called the Surface Hub. And so those are the 55-inch or the 84-inch interactive whiteboard devices, all running Windows 10. Now you talked about a no, a no screen device. What do you mean by that? So. Obviously, there's heaps of Internet of Things style devices, sensors, you know, devices that might plug into digital signage or uh, measuring temperature or measuring, uh, you know, cars going past on the motorway. 
um, you know, Windows is going to have a place to play on those style of devices as well. So, so right now, a lot of people are, are using things like Raspberry Pi or Android or um, uh, Arduino. You know, Intel have been doing some stuff around Intel Galileo platform, uh, and, and so we'll be announcing the what the Microsoft product is that basically based on the Windows 10 kernel that'll get announced at Build in in April this year. That's like the old embedded Windows. Yeah, yeah, it is. So it's basically a it's basically a cut down runtime version of Windows that exposes itself in terms of a normal you know IT managed way in terms of it running a Windows image and and being able to be managed and stuff. Um, but yeah, really, really thin, light, cheap. Cool. Okay, so enough for those bits and pieces. Let, let, tell us what the highlights are of Windows Ten. What's exciting? Why should people be you know, be paying any attention to this Windows Ten thing? Well, I think it actually does usher in a, a new generation of Windows and also Windows that's new, that's more personal. And, and we, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the HoloLens technology uh, in a minute. And I think that's particularly interesting because whenever you see an interaction change like that, so say adding the mouse to a keyboard or adding you know, the pen to a mouse and a keyboard, now adding these holograms, it gives you interesting things to, uh, to kind of you know, re-evaluate user interfaces and things like that but but in terms of the Windows 10 features that came out and these are actually all available now in the January preview build it's what we call the technical preview 2 or the or, or the January build yeah we're running running here on a build 9926 yeah right so you'll good. get uh, you'll get Cortana right now you need to set your uh, device to be English US to get uh, to get Cortana uh, on there but this is I guess the first time that we've seen Cortana come off the phone and onto the tablet and PC um, taking my you know, my personal opinion here, I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen this on OS X, um, you know, previously now, given the popularity of Siri. Um, probably the second really big thing in the build, uh, which is not quite enabled yet, you can go into the settings and turn this on with a registry entry. Um, this is going to be turned on pretty soon, is the next generation browser, codenamed Project Spartan. Uh, and so this one uh, is basically built for Windows 10 as a modern browser, just like all the other, the Firefoxes and the Chromes and stuff out there in terms of, you know, trying to do away with plugins and add-ins and things like that. So we're going to have kind of, you know, two two versions of the browser going forward, i.e. for that kind of legacy business line of business app support and then and then Spartan, Project Spartan as this new, uh, you know, as the new kind of modern browser um, going forward. So Spartan, Project Spartan, this is, this is designed to be a, a, a fast and light uh, browser. How compatible is it going to be with existing websites? That we are basically out there? we basically advertise ourselves to websites like Chrome. So we so basically all of that modern uh, HTML5 and and modern HTML that we weren't being served up from websites previously because they saw the word IE in the uh, user header, that's all now going to be surfaced up to to, to Spartan uh, Project Spartan browsers. Uh, uh, you've you've probably seen some of the speed tests and stuff already. It actually is already uh, you know very very fast compared to some of the other browsers out there. But it's basically specific designed uh, to do kind of four things to make 
the e make sharing easy, particularly if you're using ink. So you can basically natively just actually start inking up on top of web pages, write on top of web pages, or or type on top of web pages. Right. So you've got, a, you've got a, with, with other people. You've got a web page. You can and a tablet. You can use your stylus or whatever to mark up a, a web page in whatever yeah. format. Yeah. Or, or just type. So think of kind of like the comments inside Word. And Bill, you you know you might use this a bit if you're sending um, files backs and forwards between people. You know you go and mark up a comment, and, and people can uh, you know can write on the in the corner there. So it's a little bit like that. Yeah, probably um, lines and things. Yeah, um, it's also got a pretty interesting reading mode um, that lets you take um, articles offline in a really kind of clean, clutter-free way. And I've been I've been using this a little bit since I've been travelling. Uh, traveling recently so so it doesn't need an internet connection to, to do that um, obviously hooks into Cortana which we're going to which we will eventually get in New Zealand as well but like I said right now you need to set that to be uh, to be English US what about um, Australian can you set to Australian and, and have it work does that work reasonably well Australia has got that on their phone already and um, they haven't got it quite yet on the PC okay all right so it's a it's a, a step behind there step behind okay <laughs> so <laughs> little, I mean, uh, little little cousins yeah so i mean how far off because you know we've got uh i guess the cortana type capability to to some degree in terms of the voice recognition in the xbox uh one here in new zealand already uh so what what's the sort of the big hold up to bring that to uh you know to phones and and uh windows 8 or Win sorry windows 10 uh you know devices considering there's a obviously a good chunk of that that uh, recognition's already voice recognition capabilities already built well, the voice reco, that's a great question. The voice reco is one side of it. The second side of it is the Cortana digital assistant being able to understand what you're asking, tell me where the nearest Thai restaurant is, take me to the hospital, things like that. Um, right, using multi so street names and, and right, sites so is a little bit and yeah. telling your Xbox to, uh, yeah. to play the interview for you or something like so, that. So there's definitely, I mean, we are building that out, and I, I, I don't know what the timeline is, so I, I can't. I can't tell you, but there's, we're definitely building that out at the moment through making up making some of that data ourselves, but also acquiring some of that data from uh, from other providers in New Zealand who have got it for sale as well. Okay, oh, that's, and that's obviously a really key piece of making uh, making some of that technology work for for Windows for Windows Ten customers. That sounds good, actually. So okay, so we've got um, Cortana. We so, so we also saw um, a whole bunch of new universal apps. So things like the Mail and Calendar, which are actually going to be renamed to to Outlook, and they're actually going to look exactly the same as what Outlook is going to look like on iOS and Android. And and you may have talked about this in one of your previous podcasts, Paul. We we acquired a company called Accompli. Uh, last year, who who made this Android client, and so that's effectively um, now coming out as uh, as the, as the Outlook client, and that that'll be out later this week, and and uh, essentially it looks you know very very similar to what you're going to see inside Windows 10, in terms of some of those gestures and things for quickly being able to delete your email, prioritize your email, you know, mark it as as archive uh, and things like that. Um, 
also the first time that the Office for Windows 10 in terms of the, the touch version, so Project Gemini, it was the first time that that was shown publicly as well. So that's Word, Excel, PowerPoint, OneNote, and, and Outlook. And in fact, you can actually play, you can play with some of this already. When you So you've got a Windows 10 installed there. When you fire up the modern OneNote version in that, you'll actually end up with the uh, the first kind of Office Gemini uh, version of, of OneNote. Yeah, probably I've looking at that, I've got that on there at the moment. It's um, yeah, it's certainly a nice, or very simple, sort of flat, uh, yeah, user interface. Obviously, cut down from the sort of full blown version. Um, you know, it reminds me of the one on the of, of OneNote on the iPad version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, they've all um, they've all come out of the same they've all come out of the same team. And you'll find that they, you know, we try to use the same design language. So if you look at the Android one, it looks you know it looks quite different to the Windows one that you're looking at there, and you know, and quite different to the iPad one. And and so we'll actually be updating the uh, the Android one to look a bit more like the material design, and uh, and Android five lollipop as well. And then probably the last thing that we showed was a whole bunch of cool gaming stuff for Xbox, Xbox Live, the new Xbox app, which is going to run on Windows 10. Uh, and, and the other pretty cool thing I'll let you do is Windows 10 PCs that are on your LAN at home, you'll be actually be able to stream your whole Xbox One experience across the LAN onto your Windows 10 machine so you can play it from wherever you are uh, in the house on your PC as well as being able to, you know, stop and start and go and go across devices. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, interested. Well. In, in that, uh, yeah, obviously Sony have been have have you know offered a, uh, a form of sort of streaming of your games around the house. Um, that hasn't been a perfectly fluid experience, and uh, and I guess the you know the the, the tests we've done it yeah, depends a lot on your network infrastructure and uh, around the house. But uh, yeah, maybe not as good as what you what you might expect. How how good uh, do you anticipate that being with um, you know Xbox streaming around your house? Well, look, I um, I've not played with it myself, but certainly certainly looked pretty cool in the demos. But yeah, you might be you, you know you're probably right if you're trying to do this on on old 802.11b 11 megabit wireless. It's, you know, it's probably not going to be the best uh, <laughs> the best experience. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, no, I mean the the uh, the the PlayStation example was. Uh, yeah, on a reason, reasonable speed wireless, but yeah, there may have been other other factors. Now, um, one thing that's been released in Europe is a little uh, dongle that you can plug into the Xbox that allows you to uh, st- yeah, stream broadcast TV straight into into your Xbox. Now, understand yep. that the uh, the Xbox One app has allowed you to pick up that stream and to uh, you know pass it back to somebody running you know running the app on a on a uh, yeah tablet or you know, potentially a phone and so on. Um, I guess that hasn't been announced for for New Zealand, um, but the piece that is available at the moment is you can plug in a a uh, Skybox or a TiVo or you know any, any sort of di- digital video recorder and get TV through into your Xbox through the um, the HDMI connection. Uh, are you expecting that 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 TV signal that's coming in potentially could be uh, passed off somewhere else around the house as well, like uh, like other apps? Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, it does. Um, I've actually got everything you've just described at home. I've actually got my TiVo plugged into my Xbox One, and then I've got 
the DVB-T tuner, which I bought in the UK. I actually just bought it from Amazon UK. Yep. Um, pl- plugged in, and like you say, it actually does let you stream stuff for, uh, around the house onto um, onto other devices. So I, I guess that really comes down to what's the what's the broadcast rights and, and and things like that for the for the stream. But from a technical point of view, it certainly it certainly works, and I, I use that quite a lot at home actually. Oh, so you can do that with the TiVo stream as well as the uh, as well as the other uh, TV input. I haven't, I haven't actually I haven't actually tried it with the TiVo stream. It definitely works with the um, it definitely works with the Xbox DVB-T connector. That yeah, you're I believe about, it's eh? limited to that at the moment. So that I guess the bit I'd right. be curious. Maybe you could look into it and see whether, as well as streaming games across the network, whether you'd be able to stream whatever comes in on that HDMI connection. I'd be pretty yeah, and, and I guess we're going to see other updates to Xbox. You know, we're going to get Miracast and things like that running on Xbox as well, which will be which will be pretty cool. Um, so you won't need to have a, a say the Microsoft wireless display adapter or the the Action Tech or the Netgear adapters, you'll just be able to stream straight to your Xbox One from even from an Android device and stuff, right? Okay. Oh, that sounds that sounds pretty uh, pretty good. And that's I mean, we're expecting those new features to come through basically between now and when when Windows 10 launches. Is that your pick? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So there's obviously a a, a whole lot of uh, uh, interest there at Microsoft's end to um, ensure that. PS4 doesn't sort of win the whole, uh, you know, console uh, wars for this generation. Well, huh? I was going to ask, where does Hololens fit into that? Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. one. Yeah, so that's a great, a great question. That that was another thing, obviously, that we talked about at the Windows 10 event. Um, and the reason why we talked about talked about it at the Windows 10 event is that Win 10 is the operating system that powers that new Hololens hardware. And so that hardware that actually come out of the same overall Microsoft Devices Group uh, team that are that are making Xbox, that have made the band, uh, that are making Surface, that are now making the new Microsoft Lumia. Uh, devices um, and so this I guess is a, is a set of virtual reality goggles that effectively project a holograph uh, onto your eyes from a completely self-contained Windows 10 device um, that's, that essentially, is essentially worn over your head and so we've actually invented some some new silicon uh, CPUs to be able to generate the, the uh, to generate the holograms and also the way that the lenses work are pretty interesting in terms of the way uh, that you actually look through them, um, so it's not something like a you know a Google Glass or an Oculus Rift in terms of the thing, you know, completely taking over your you know you, you, your eyes. It's basically superimposing stuff, virtual stuff over the the physical environment that you're actually that you're looking at. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I saw a, uh, a device from uh, Sony at CES, which is uh, you know nowhere near what the Hololens was, but it, but it did that in terms of uh, putting putting something you know right in your sort of line of sight. It's more like augmented reality, isn't it? Um, to yeah, to a degree, but I mean the Hololens. You know, you're talking about something that goes much further there, aren't you, Nathan? In terms of, I mean, you're, it, it appears to be a hologram that you're seeing, or appears sort of integrated into your uh, into your into your view, probably in a way that we haven't really seen before. Yeah, and, and I guess um, being able to interact with it as well. So, so I mean, some of the demos that they showed were were some of the business or some of the, you know. N- Take 
the consumer scenarios or things like Minecraft or, um, you know, gaming and things like that to one side. But there's a whole lot of other scenarios. People, you know, uh, end user fixing something up in their bathroom with their with their plumber watching what they're doing through Skype. Um, you know, one of the videos they played there as well was also the NASA Jet Propulsion Lab uh, about to start. You're going to start using it in a few months' time for controlling some of the Mars rovers uh, going around Mars as well. So there's some pretty some pretty uh, interesting things and I think you, it'll probably be a little bit like Connect maybe where some of the things that we imagine that are going to be possible with this are just going to be blown away once people kind of get their hands on the SDK that includes these holographic APIs um, and on the developer kits for the devices as well which are, which are going to come out in, in about April at the, the build conference. Right, so now the the Hololens. You're saying it's you know basically it incorporates Windows a uh, whole Windows 10 computer in into the device itself. So does that yeah. mean you can use it? You could use it entirely standalone without a uh, a separate computer. You could just put that on and uh, yeah do the sorts of things you would normally do in a computer as well as operate in that 3D holographic world. Well, so that that is the whole idea of the thing. Is it is it is self-contained. The the demos that they're doing at the uh, they've got at the moment. When you go and put one on up here, um, there are actually a few a few wires. The computer bit of it hasn't been completely miniaturized yet. Um, but yeah, it's you know that's the design. It's is go you've, got, you've got Wi-Fi on there, and and um, uh, you can be completely completely untethered. And um, so want one in a Darth Vader <laughs> helmet. <laughs> And it, it, you know the funny thing is, Bill. It's a bit like uh, it's you know it's kind of like what they predicted on Star Trek, right? Know, it was years ago. I'm, it's uh, <laughs> it's, ex- it's it's exactly what I'm thinking. It's exactly like that. So can I mean can either of you, uh, Nathan, Bill, can you imagine people wearing these things down the street, or is this something you're gonna you're gonna wear at home or in the office? If you're gonna do it. Uh, I mean, I think this is, you know, we, we, we saw a whole lot of connotations with the other thing that you mentioned, and, and obviously all the work that happened there with glass is not going to go to waste. There is, uh, uh, you know, a potential demand and desire for a product like this, but this product is a completely, you know, different category. You're not going to wear it down the, you're not going to wear it down the street, I, I think. I think you're right. I think there'll be a set it's, price walking down the street, and it won't. Yeah. This like is um, this is I'm gaming at home, uh, or this is I've got one of those business scenarios that I mentioned before of the, um, you know, using it to 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 visualise something around the office, or you know, playing a game. It's not for, <laughs> it's not for walking down the road. I, I'm I'm curious to know what business applications might might come with that. Well, that's interesting. I, I saw some some uh, technology that Hewlett Packard had, had licensed uh, at CES that involved uh, it involved a, a monitor and some some glasses that uh, took you into a pretty immersive experience. And this was being used for you know viewing CAD and and other things. Yeah. But the Hololens would just take it. Uh, you know, a whole a whole step further in terms of uh, immersion. So yeah, I'm quite I'm quite curious about uh, about that as well. What the possibilities well, I are. Some, I guess, years ago, I saw some demonstrations from Silicon Graphics, which were exactly in that space, but they never actually came to any products that I you know remember seeing appearing in the market. Um, but this is obviously a, a whole different ballgame. I mean, the Silicon Graphics computer would have cost you forty grand. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
the, you know the other the other pretty cool thing about it that you don't I haven't really seen people talk about in the reviews and stuff um, the audio in it is uh, the audio just sounds really amazing the way that it just feels like it's actually coming from a, from, from around you the, they've they've just done a really good job on both the lenses and the uh, and the audio equipment as well so it's a, a pretty pretty cool device and I look forward to people seeing more about that in, 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 in April I'd like to see and, say virtual musical instruments for example <laughs> yeah absolutely now in, ter- um, in terms of timing so April uh, is the um, the developer conference yeah and so uh, a bunch of bunch of stuff's gonna I guess happen over the next uh, between now and mid-year when we launch so we will have the mobile version of Windows 10 out pretty soon so people are about to start playing with the betas of that on their on their Windows phones that can upgrade to Windows Phone 10 um, how many phones sp- will be will be included in that you know there are obviously people that have gone out or maybe considering buying a Windows phone now how do they know whether their Windows phone would be able to get um, Windows 10 because that seems like quite a nice uh, yeah, jump jump up really yeah look we have I, I don't think we've actually said which ones they are, are and aren't going to get it it's basically going to be most of them um, I, I, I'm not sh- I, I don't think we've actually published the whole list of of which ones will and won't but um, right. but it's not going to be a limitation we'll like those with the, the smaller memory the the yeah, the lower end ones like the Lumia 520 and maybe 530 that only got half a uh, yeah, half a gig of RAM or so, uh, you know, five twelve megs. Windows Phone seven. Yeah, like I, I, I certainly know that they are trying to get as many of those upgraded to to Windows ten as they can. A little bit like the original Surface RT devices, that they're, they're trying to get at least some of some of the Windows ten uh, experience put onto those as well. All right, so talking talking Surface RT, Bill and I uh, were chatting about this before. What what will be happening uh, with those Surface products that are running, uh, you know, Win- Windows RT, are they getting, uh, you know, Windows 10? So we uh, we are we are working on an upgrade for Surface RT, which runs the Windows RT OS, and it's going to have some of the functionality of what is shipping inside Windows 10. The actual overall ARM devices themselves are going to be you know, are going to be continued to, to be part of the range of devices that Windows 10 supports. Uh, but going forward, probably more so on phones and phablets and small tablets up onto 8 inches rather than the kind of, you know, 10.6 inch um, that the Surface RT and the Surface 2 uh, run. Okay, so... A form of what? What does that? What does that mean exactly? Will it be? It'll carry through the new user interface, but it might not run all the apps. But can you give us any more sort of explanation on that? It seems a um, just a little bit un, unclear what that actually means. Yeah, look, I think it'll have the. Um, uh, I think you'll see that it has the the new UI, but I don't think it's going to have all of the underlying, um, you know, plumbing and apps and things like that. You might not be able to run all the new apps, the Xbox apps, and in uh, Office and so on on it. Yeah, look, I, I look, I, Paul, I just don't know all the details. I have to have to have to get back to you about Sounds that. Sounds to me like you'll be able to get an RT for a really good price. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess a couple of the other things we're going to see um, obviously we're going to see the new Spartan browser come out um, yeah. in beta we'll see um, the office touch builds come out pretty soon as well as we get closer to mid-year we'll see the enterprise builds 
come out. So that's when we'll start to see some of our uh, customers, even here in New Zealand. Actually, we've got a we've got a few New Zealand customers that are, that are eager to actually get deployed early on this. Um, then we'll release. The release is going to be available for download really quickly after release. Um, and then a little bit after that, you'll start to see some of the new devices coming out. So that's both, you know, new first-party devices from us, new Lumia phones where we've said we're going to have, you know, new high-end phones back in uh, in the Windows 10 timeframe, um, as well as some of the hardware that we talked about today with the likes of the, the HoloLens and the new Surface Hub, um, which is the new perceptive pixel large interactive whiteboards. Okay, Nathan, how will um, Windows inter- Windows 10 interact with OneDrive? Okay, so um, I, I guess the, the way that you see Windows 10 set up at the moment in terms of the OneDrive feature that comes in the January or in the, you know, in the January build, um, it's kind of how it's going to ship in when, we, when we come out in the middle of the year. But, but before the end of the year, you'll also see a big update to OneDrive so that it understands the difference between personal and business files um, you know, a lot better. One of the things that you've seen a lot of kind of uproar in the community about is at the moment the Windows 10 builds are missing what we call the placeholder files. Um, and you and I probably love those files and understand what they are in terms of you might have 100 gigs of files in your OneDrive cloud. Uh, on, and you don't have 100 gigs of storage on your 64 gig, you know, cheap tablet. Oh, I had this the- actually over the weekend, Nathan, um, when I got a Windows machine on a HDMI stick and uh, before I'd gone in and told it to stop syncing files, uh, my super fast internet connection had synced down so many files <laughs> from OneDrive uh, that it that it filled the whole thing up. So, uh, <laughs> yes, I, I understand the challenge reasonably well. Yeah, and and so I um, mean I normally leave that at the default, which just downloads the placeholder files. Um, but so at the moment we've turned that off because people don't understand the difference between placeholder files. They think they've got them on their hard drives. They take them offline. They go on a plane or whatever, and the files don't work. Um, there's also challenges around things like backing them up and copying them and things like that. There's often you know there's a little bit of app, you know app, app incompatibility. Personally, I actually miss them. I actually love that feature. Um, but long story short, you know that. Uh, there's a new version of that will come back into the builds um, when we merge those kind of consumer and business features together, and and that actually leads on to one other just just one other little interesting thing about that is that one of the other pretty cool things coming to ten is that all of those apps that you might be using like your your Word or, or your Excel or your your um, your Notepad or, or apps like that when you actually go save as now inside Windows ten it's also got the ability to hook into these corporate enterprise data protection management features which you basically can control whether you're allowed to save those files on a USB key or allowed to save them on your personal OneDrive or personal Dropbox or whether they have to be saved on your on your OneDrive for business. And so there's, a, there's actually some pretty cool features coming in 10 uh, around some of those data protection separation containerization type features as well. That sounds great, and will that that'll be quite easy for uh, for businesses to change those settings around and, and lock them down accordingly. It's going to be really really easy if they're using a mobile device management 
uh, tool like an AirWatch or a Mobile On or a Cisco, uh, Cisco Meraki or a Citrix Enterprise or a Microsoft Intune or, or one of those, there is uh, there are going to be ways of doing it with group policy, um, but just a little bit more work to do this particular feature with with group policy. And in fact, you know you're going to see more and more and more features going forward um, that uh, you know start to become MDM you know features first before they become group policy features. That's interesting. Okay, so you need you need to have that mobile device management uh, software in play. Or, 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 I mean, at the end of the day, all of these the MDM are actually just you know twigging features under the covers. So there is actually this thing called a uh, you know so they are just WMI switches that are changing under the covers. So there are going to be ways of deploying them through group policy. But um, I, I think you know eventually you you will see technologies and almost legacy technologies like group policy go away eventually because um, they can cause so many issues with you know people that don't know what they're doing or, or they, you know you know what you know what it's like Paul you must have been into some some networks where people don't document the way things are set up and you know there's a hundred or a thousand policies and you've got to try and figure it out it's really really difficult yeah it can uh, can be a bit of a challenge and you know certainly when you had lots of different uh, yeah uh, different methods, I guess, applied to a, how a network's operated. Uh, it can be a real mess, and as you say, that if documentation's not done well, then uh, yeah, you get re- really, really stuck pretty quickly. A lot of home networks are like that, where um, Dad's not fully in control. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not quite as complex as uh, where oh, a business no. network can get. To. <laughs> hey, Nathan, um, I think there's a lot more to delve into around around Windows 10. Uh, certainly, Hololens sounds pretty crazy cool so you know that, that's certainly something we, we want we want to catch some more on um i'm hoping that you're bringing back some equipment uh or there'll be some in the country and the not too too far distant future uh for us to have a little bit of a play with um but we we realize it is uh well into the evening uh there so thank you very much for uh for joining us with just before we shut down was there were there any other sort of highlights from uh, from last week's announcements that uh that you think we haven't covered? No, look, I think I think that was it. Just a um, whole new generation of, of Windows devices. Um, and I guess just that really cool thing that basically everything that's running Windows today, Win 7, Win 8.1, Win Phone 8.1, all gets an upgrade to, to 10. Um, and we're just, just really looking forward to people just playing with Win 10 and giving us feedback because it's actually a, a really well thought through uh, release to compared to some of the other things you've seen in the past. Well, you would say that, but actually on this occasion, oh. uh, I don't think you're too far <laughs> off track, mate. Uh, so, uh, no, it's uh, it's, pr- it's pretty Mark, pleasing, Mark I think, as well. Mark's just got his mojo back. Yeah, yeah. No, I think there's, there's something of a renaissance going on there at the moment, which is... Which is great. Yeah, and I think it all it all starts from the top, Bill, with uh, the new CEO and some of that new organisation. This kind of one Microsoft mantra that's floating through the the organisation at the moment. It's starting to pay off. I'd, I also like the feel that there's a real fight going on, without necessarily being unpleasant between Apple and uh, Microsoft to be that kind of just to fill that space out it seems to be working really well at the moment the whole competition thing and that, and that's the best time when customers win right when you've yeah. got two two giants like that fighting against each other for the for the customers yeah. hearts and minds and services 
That's great. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much okay. for, uh, Thanks, guys. For, for joining us, Nathan. Well, that's it. That's us for this week uh, once again. Hey, thank you, Bill, very much for joining the New Zealand Tech Podcast. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, now, just as a reminder, people, where do they find find you online? Uh, BillBennett.co.nz. And that reminds me, I've got to get a BillBennett.nz pretty soon. Well, you do. And uh, talking of .nz's, uh, we've moved to the podcasts.co.nz uh, site that we uh, we launched after acquiring that name last year. Uh, we've moved that to podcasts.nz. So uh, this year we will make podcasts.nz the place to find out about all the uh, all the coolest podcasts in New Zealand. Uh, at the moment we've got uh, we've got a small uh, a small little collection of, of podcasts up there, uh, but there will be a lot more uh, added in over the over the year and if there's anyone out there listening that would like to uh, produce a podcast and share it with other New Zealanders then uh, you should get in touch as we uh, as we start growing that network uh, anyone that wants to track me down can uh, can track me uh, paulspain.com or at paulspain on twitter thanks everyone for listening see ya bye the New Zealand Tech Podcast brought to you by Vector Communications data networks built for business